0: Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper-Rollins.
1: I am so glad you joined us today. Our topic is such an important one. It is about embedding kindness in our schools, how to make our schools kinder places in our school culture. And our guest is Jeff Kubiak, who's written a brand new book that we're going to get to, a children's book about kindness in schools. Let me tell you just a little bit about Jeff. He's a principal of Nelda Mundy Elementary School. He taught elementary school for 10 years and then has worked as an administrator for seven. But one thing that's kind of fun is he was a, a, a swimmer a big time swimmer and coached swimming for over 20 years. So that's pretty interesting. And as I mentioned, his new children's book that's just coming out is called One Drop of Kindness. So one thing when I was reading about Jeff is, I want to get to this right away because it really interested me, is that Jeff hated school and then became a principal. So I want to know a little bit first about that journey. So hey, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background, where your passion for education and your experience in school. Let's start with that.
0: Yeah. Good morning, Susie. Thanks so much for having me on. This is just a, a pleasure. What a great way to uh, start my Friday. Um, yeah, school wasn't easy for me. I, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a town, a sleepy little college town called Davis, California, and I was the kind of the king of ADHD back then, kind of before the whole ADHD diagnosis came out in the sixties and seventies, and um, I couldn't sit still. I had a hard time with, uh, attending curriculum. Um, I was squirrely. I was a smarty pants. I was a class clown because I couldn't understand math just was not comprehensible to me. And I got in trouble all the time. I was either getting suspended or in fifth grade, I had the pleasure of having my neck grabbed and slammed against the, uh, classroom door in front of students. And, uh, it, it it just, I didn't want to be there. And so kind of like being the class clown and then sports were my outlet until sixth grade, the most amazing teacher named Mrs. Sherry came along and made education something fun and meaningful for me. So, um, you know, kind of looking back, I I had, I took the sports route. Um, and once I got into coaching, you know, coaching and teaching are the same thing. We just have a different medium, right? And, Making sure you address the kinesthetic or modalities of a swimmer is the same thing kind of in the classroom, making sure you're hitting all kids. And my mother was a high school teacher for 35 years and, um, I saw the things that she did were, that were wonderful and struggling for her as well and, and kind of navigated my way. So. That brings me here today.
1: Well, I'm so glad that that wonderful teacher came along in your path. We all have, well, not all of us have stories. I know I do of, of some teachers who just totally changed my trajectory. And something that's interesting, I'm actually working on a book right now, Jeff, which is so fascinating. You just said this and the chapter I just finished is on ADHD and swimming is one of the sports often recommended as one of the best sports because you race against your own time. You know, it, it's, you see your progress and, and that's, that's one thing that I read a lot about is, the connection with the, the physicality of a lot of our ADHD kids. So that's really a testament on how that can work. All right. So you, one thing I read about you on your blog and everything, and I just love this, is you consider yourself part of the learning process with students. Not all administrators, I'm going to say, feel that way. So share a little bit about that philosophy of how the administrator is part of the learning process.
0: Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of people um, that I read about, you know, Uh, administrators or school leaders, they call themselves lead learners. And I I like that term, but I think it's a little watered down because what does it mean? Well, for me, uh, if I'm leading a school or part of the leading process, I need to be in the classroom. I need to be watching kids struggle. I need to have students ask me questions, explain things to me. I want to get down on the carpet and read books and listen to stories and photobomb their flip grids um, get out on recess and play games with them. And, you know, I have 800 students at the school and I feel like I've connected to each of them. I try to know all their names. I don't quite, but I, I try to high five and hugging, connecting, having real deep conversations about, you know, why did you push that kid? Why did you hit that kid? Or, you know, why did you build this volcano that way? I don't understand it. Um, And and I learn so much every single day. But, you know, I think when the students see me in there, reading with them and to them and becoming a part of it, their love of learning increases. And I believe for teachers and administrators, that's what we have to do to model the students, you know. So
1: Well, absolutely. I, I just love that you're in those classrooms. That's fantastic. And and what a great philosophy for that. I know one of the best principals with whom I've ever worked, she was a believer that if she offered prof- that professional development was a, was mandated, like she, th- she thinks it's important enough to have someone come in. She participated 100%. She never left those meetings. She never left that training. She would just turn her phone off. And, and she I don't think it was a, a stretch of why she was such an effective principal. She was at everything with us doing these things with us. And I just so admired that, that she was just right next to all of her teachers learning all of this. So I just think that's a wonderful philosophy. Okay. So you mentioned you were a struggling learner uh, and you're kind of a, you're kind of rally for the underdog. So, so tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, I used to love the show underdog too, by the way. Um, I, I was always like the little guy. Um, Honestly, I believe in eighth grade uh, I was one of if not the smallest children in the whole school. I was a late bloomer, but I was just a little dude. And um, so I had to work extra hard, um, not only in sports, but to not get bullied. Um, And, you know, that's why comedy was my best friend and being a smarty pants. But, you know, in the pool, I worked my tail off. It didn't, you know, come natural originally. And, uh, you know, reading was a struggle and math. And so... We have so many students that are fighting something. And if we don't take the time to know, not just, oh, okay, I get it. We have to know what's going on. And then we got to be part of that struggle with them and fight with them because I don't want to hear they dropped out in eighth grade or didn't make it through high school or, you know, got. Killed in this, doing that. I want to be invited to their high school graduation. And I think if we fight for every single kid, the one that we may not even embrace or love to want to hang out with, then that's going to make it better. But every single child that walks through those doors has to be recognized and fought for.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. And one thing that kind of segues into that, and I noticed this on one of your blogs, is um, you know... I don't know about other industries or, or fields or careers, but in education, we have a lot of labels, and we have, you know, you're remedial. You have an IEP. You have a 504. You're in special ed. You're this or that. And I know that you're sort of against these labels, but yet we do have to like test scores, and everything else. We have these subgroups and labels. So how do we live in both those worlds where we we have these categories of kids, and there were closing gaps and all this stuff that goes with it, and then but not seeing them as a category, as a label, give us some, give us some guidance on that.
0: Well, you know, the way I think it. we all have needs, you know, from Maslow to Bloom to however our hierarchy wants to work, we all need something different. And why do we have to put a piece of blue masking tape on it to say, you know, ADHD, ELL, you know, troublemaker, um, you know, I, I I was a troublemaker. I got in trouble. I was a behavior problem. Um, I had a smart mouth. Uh, but why can't we model things so that we just have different learning styles and needs and expectations? And yeah, so, you know, Susie might have to go with a professional adult into a group to work on some certain skills doesn't mean she is dumb or missing this, but she might have a deficiency that needs to be, be caught up. Or maybe someone goes into a lab or an OT area, or you know what, like let's just call it extended learning or when, you know, I, I, I kind of brought this little term win to our school in the fourth grade here really uh, embraced it. Is what I need, right? What do I need as a child to become better? And the adult's, are supposed to be able to help them navigate. So let's let's get rid of that blue masking tape and look for what I need as a kid and make it happen.
1: And another thing that you addressed and we we've talked about it, but it, boy, it's so hard to change is this sort of assembly line approach that was built for education many, many years ago. Um, And how do we, how do we within, you know, I can't change all that. You know, I wish I could, I wish we could start over, but within what we have, how do we go about making some, some really important changes? That's a big question, but give it a, give it a stab.
0: It's a huge question, but we have to, A, be honest and reflect 100% with integrity and if I truly believe that everything I've done the last 20 years, the same exact way works, well, I'm sorry. Then I'm going to have a conversation and a disagreement with you because everything is changing exponentially and at a pace that we can't even fathom. So that being said, try something new every single day. We ask however X million kids across the nation to change every day, either change their thinking, change their behavior, change their mindset, change the way they do this, change the way they learn that. Why can't we change? We're adults. It's not easy for some of us, but we have to get rid of the rows, get rid of the the desks, get rid of the, you know, uh, uh, my buddy Adam Welcome yesterday did a great video. Get rid of the band-aids. Don't just put something on it to make it temporarily Blow your room up and do something different. We have teachers at our school they are so incredible. They don't have any chairs. So they, it's whatever students need, right? They sit anywhere. They learn different ways. But if we continue, you know, using uh, Einstein's doing the same thing over and over and expecting change, we really are costing ourselves. And, you know, I, I, I in this neat Voxer group about um, trying to, Get California back on the leading edge because we're falling deeper behind, and because we we refused to put it out there and model ourselves after the best in the world. Sorry, that was long winded.
1: No, I thought it was wonderful, and I'm I'm really love this win. What do I need? You know, I, I think we're all going to steal that as a matter of fact uh, when we hang up today. So,
0: yeah, I'm sure uh, I probably <laughs> stole it from someone, but it's it's. But when you think about it, it's really like whoa, okay, that makes sense. I mean, what does Susie need is not going to be what Jeff needs. And <laughs> why can't we offer that for everyone? I just don't understand.
1: Right. No, I love that. And, you know, you've been a leader for, for what, seven or eight years now in your building, and you were a teacher before that, um, and you were a struggling student before that. So you've got this kind of unique perspective on this. As as a leader, what's the best thing about being a school leader? What do you think is the, the, the thing you enjoy the most?
0: I think the... Th- First thing that I enjoy the most is being able to show my vulnerability. I mess up all the time. You know, yeah, I've raised my voice at teachers. Yeah, I've been short and not malleable at times and had a fixed mindset. But I'm just, you know, I got 800 kids that are happy to be here. They love coming to school. And so I want teachers to love coming to school and helping students love it. And it just, it makes me feel good watching the change. You know, those, not only the light bulb moments, but those, you know, those torch moments where a kid's head just blows up because they found something they are great at and they can show others how to be great at it. I had a student yesterday. Hey, Mr. K gave me a Rubik's cube, mix it up for me. So I said, okay. And uh, I said, Hey buddy, could you figure this out? He goes, oh yeah. I said, oh wow. What's your time? He goes, well, my best is a minute 30. I'm like, dude, I can't even do a side in a minute 30. So there were some parents walking by. I said, Hey you guys, come on over here. So I gave the Rubik's cube back to him. And I said, okay, ready? Go. All of a sudden there's like five people, six people watching. Boom. A minute 34 seconds later, he had the Rubik's cube done. And I'm like, dude. And so the, one of the parents said, Hey, my first grade son would love that. Can you show him? So today I'm going to introduce those, those two. But it's just, it's just like, come on. Those kind of things are so awesome. And wow. You know, I it just it's great. You know,
1: he's going to remember that day in school forever. He, he's that child's going to look back and, and talk about that day and. In school, um, before we talk about your your new children's book, I, I want to ask you. Uh, I follow you on Twitter, but uh, can you tell us your Twitter and how people can reach you and that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, it's at Jeffrey Kubiak. so it's at J E F F R E Y K U um, B I A K. That that's my my best vehicle. I'm also you know a um, a pretty active member of LinkedIn. I love Instagram. I believe my uh, handle there is AquaCube, A-Q-U-A-K-U-B-E. Um, and I'm a big voxer advocate, so I have a lot of educator friends that I'm constantly voxing. And it's for me, it's epic because, hey, if I want to ask Susie something, I'm going to send her a vox, which is like a walkie-talkie. Or I could send a video. I could send um, a picture. Hey, Susie, I got this really weird issue, blah, 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 blah. You probably get a notification. Oh, hey, Jeff, this is what I've done. Or, or check here. Instant. I love it. So social media is my best friend.
1: Very cool. All right. So let's talk about your children's book, how you got into this. It's called One Drop of Kindness. So tell us a little what motivated you I, I, you know, to do this, what the book's about. And I know it features a boy named Gus. Go for it.
0: Yeah. So um, I never really... Blogged until I went to a, a Q conference and Jennifer Klosko, I took one of her sessions on blogging. Boom. So that was like four or five years ago. I started blogging and writing. My buddy Adam Welcomes said, just write, write every day. It doesn't matter what it is. Started doing that. Then there's an amazing teacher, Aaron Hogan. I read one of his challenges is, you know, try to blog more than you did last year. So I just started writing and I just, oh, it feels so good. And the biggest thing I always came back to is that what is missing the most in our schools, and to me, it's kindness. Because you've got four-year-olds coming onto our campus that are angry, or that are mistreated at home, or they don't know how to walk in someone else's shoes. And so, for me, like, let's embed this huge piece of bedrock of kindness into everyone's DNA. And I guarantee you our world would change, but that's got to start from the top down. Every leader in every country and we've got to start it at the bottom. So if we are focusing on our, you know, SEL and not only teaching about kindness, but making it an everyday part of your day. So lessons, activities, language, um, so it's kind of cute. My book's called One Drop of Kindness. And my wife said, instead of random acts of kindness, Jeff, let's start using the term random drops of kindness. So the Kubiak clan goes out on weekends and does random drops of kindness. So anyway, my, my boy Gus is a kid that uh, had a rough start. And we have a Gus in every single school. Everywhere you go, there's a Gus. He, in his heart, he's got kindness, but he does not know how to navigate it until this metaphorical person named truly comes into the school and helps him bring it out as his heart. And the kind of the repeated tagline is one drop of kindness is all it takes to fill a heart with love. And Gus shows us what impact kindness can have on the world.
1: So when you and your family go out and do the random drops of kindness, can you give an example of that?
0: Totally. We, uh, we'll go get coffee, uh, especially this winter. Um, even in California was quite wet and cold. Um, and just drive around to the places we know where some of our friends that are down and out, um, some call them homeless, some call them whatever, but, so we'll drop off, uh, blankets or coffee. Um, we will pay the bridge toll for the person behind us. We pick up garbage that's not ours. We'll go share smiles. Um, Sometimes we will, uh, just go in and buy a, a big thing of sandwiches and just start handing them out. But, you know, it's what not only is going to make my heart full, but what's going to change someone else's life? And if they even just smile, I know I've done something. And, you know, so kind of like, uh, you know, the energy bus for kids by John Gordon and how to fill the bucket and those kind of things. So it's, it's using all that, but it just, you know you uh, you iterate it for how it works for you.
1: I love that philosophy, the random drops of kindness, but you've made me feel a little little deficient in this area because I was thinking of mine, and I didn't mean to cut a driver off the other day. Heading into the Starbucks drive through but I did purchase her coffee. So, I mean, I don't know that I can count that one because I, I did cut her off first. And then to maybe that was for me to relieve my guilty conscience. So, I'm going to have to be a little more, dig a little deeper, I think, Jeff, if that's the one. I'm listening to your examples, and then I look at mine. So, I think that I'm going to have to take this to heart. Random.
0: No way. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you an A on that one because you know what? You made an error in judgment, perhaps, but you reflected on it, and it impacted you in some way, like, shoot, I feel crummy about what I did. Maybe that person got upset. You not only made amends, but then like, wow, this person totally just made my day. So I guarantee you, they paid it paid it forward. Susie, you made someone else make their day too. So I, you got to reframe well, thanks, it that Pastor way.
1: Jeff, because I- I actually, you know, I, I think I was, I cut in front of her because of my need for caffeine. You know what I mean? I thought, okay, I got to get, I got to get, uh-huh. a, I got I to get there first. Okay. Was, was my thinking? As if they're going to run out of coffee today at the Starbucks. Anyway. Okay. Enough of that. So, all right. One last thing I want to talk a, bit, a little bit, this is a weird topic, but, um, and I, I, I just love the whole, I mean, I really got choked up over your, your theme of this book. I think that is just so wonderful. And I know you're in elementary, but boy, could we use that middle and middle and high and university Settings too, the random act of, of kindness. I just love that. So you uh, you feel like educators sometimes and, and I, this hit on resonated with me because I I do see this from time to time and I've experienced it in myself. We can be a bit competitive and and maybe we ought to step back and celebrate success and I, I, I'll tell you why I'm asking you this I saw you tweet about this to be honest with you and it resonated with me and, and things I've seen. so can you address that a little bit what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I actually uh, did a, a little video on YouTube about it, too. I, we have so many amazing things that we do as educators, but it boggles my mind that we can't celebrate each other when we're in the same arena. You know, if I've written a book and Susie's written a book, you know, maybe similar genre, there's some crossover content or whatever. Why can't I celebrate your book, too? You might have things in there that I'm missing or I can improve upon, but like, let's both celebrate. There's room for more than one book in a library, but it's not about like, when it, when it becomes so much about, you know, I've got to be this keynote or or my speaking series content is just so much better, then we have a problem because we are not doing it. For the reasons I believe that are most important is to make a positive change on every child and every educator or person or parent in the world. And if we get so caught up in the me and forget about the you, then that is only going to, I believe, like really dilute what we're doing. And so, you know, there's so many great publishers out there. You know, I happen to be working with Edumatch, but I'm a huge fan of Dave Burgess and, you know, what they do and everything. And and it just, I love You know, Adam, welcome. He's just, he's got to be a good friend of mine over the years. And he'll share any book that he thinks is great. You know, he's written three books now for uh, Burgess. But it's like Adam just gets up there and like, hey, this guy's great. This book's great. This woman showed me this. And like, let's do that. Let's celebrate because at some time or another, I might see you at a conference or a workshop. And instead of like, oh, you suck. You stole my job or my thunder like dude let's work together because this is like super cool so that's my only thing like i'm on board i I could care less if i make 25 cents off this book i want to change people's lives and i want to share everything i'm constantly sharing because i think it helps me become better and well i agree with you and i i tell
1: you the way i look at it is i i think as long as we keep children in the middle you know of any graphic organizer we make or any plan that we make that children are in the middle and at the, as a teacher, um, I, I, I normally teachers are wonderful about sharing things, but from time to time, I mean, I've had one of the greatest math teachers I've ever witnessed, and when, when we wanted her to share what she was doing, it was like, well, I've worked hard to get here. You know what I mean? It was a feeling yeah. like, wait a minute, I've spent years developing this. <laughs> Why would I just want to hand it over to you? And that was a bit foreign, although I could relate to it a little bit, it was a bit foreign to me. And I think if we're just mission-oriented, then success follows, but I'm a little bit of a goody-two-shoes on those things, so... <laughs> I, I but I did cut the lady off at Starbucks so I ain't perfect Jeff okay I'm not I'm not perfect
0: all right. I'm far from it my friend so, Okay
1: well I I tell you I've I've made so many notes on this I've been inspired by our conversation I love the you know what do I need that's something we can all share with our students and our teachers what what do I need celebrate each other's successes and I mean what I'm going to take away today is really the random drops of kindness that we can we can push out in our schools and our families and 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 when I go down to the Starbucks today I'm going to start sharing my random drops of kindness. Jeff and I, I do it. I am go- I'm on board. I'm motivated, Jeff. <laughs> I'm motivated. I cannot swim though. I've just about drowned numerous times, but that's a different story for another day. Maybe you're
0: saying you can't swim well yet because if I find you at a place there's a pool, I'll help you.
1: Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay, so <laughs> I am going to call. You are a little far from me, but okay. It's, uh, all right. So here we go, guys. We Jeff and I don't want to end this podcast without thanking you, every educator, because you have the most important job in the entire universe. Everything you do impacts those kids. Jeff was talking about his teacher who changed his life. I've got a couple teachers who changed mine. It is the most important, most rewarding work in the world. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, and Jeff, thank you so much for being a guest.
0: Likewise. My pleasure. And thank you for making an amazing impact on many people, my friend.
1: All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Tune in next week. Bye-bye.
0: We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.